Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. I believe there are many ways to live life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.com howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. That was an old intro that I used to use. And when I say old, it was from 2013 and it evolved in various forms of that same message probably since 2009. And really that is my body of work is helping people overcome. And if you are where I was 10 years ago, where I thought that there were the chosen ones and then there were those of us who weren't chosen And how could we get better lives? That's what the show was about. And whether it was inviting the researchers or New York Times bestselling authors or people who had acquired success to a certain level to come back and share with us their journey. That was what the show has always been about. And I really still to this day believe that we all fall down and get back up after my uh, I don't know, I guess it's celebration. Anna Vicino's coming on today to do the show with me to celebrate my 10 years and thank goodness for her because she has intent- incredible high energy and I'm pretty flat and you'll hear about why and my own vulnerabilities with celebrating. I'll come back and wrap up the show about what are the things that I've learned over these past 10 years of doing how she really does it. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, 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 Anna Vicino. Thank you Hi. for being here. Thanks for having me. Happy anniversary. I'm making up an anniversary song. Ten years doing your show. That's it. That's the end of the song. (laughs) Yay. It ended on a high note, I think. Are you good at celebrating? (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Why? Maybe not, though. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think that we have hangups as we get older. Because remember when you were, you were younger and you're like, it's my birthday. Especially when you're a little kid, you're like, it's my birthday. And you would like celebrate yourself and feel special, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as, as you get older, you're like, oh, God, it's my birthday. I hope nobody notices. <laughs> 
I don't have to do anything or say anything. And then, the, and then Facebook happens on your birthday. <laughs> and you spend four hours going, thank you, thank you, which is because it's so nice. People send you nice messages, right? But you're like, I wish I felt as excited as you guys do. <laughs> so why don't you want to celebrate? Because I want to celebrate. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. That, and that was... Um, I don't know if I was ever that kid that was like, oh my God, it's my birthday. I'm so excited. Like I, I mm-hmm. know my daughter, you know, I had to have a rule with her. Like we couldn't start talking about her birthday party until like three months before. <laughs> she would start planning at six months or a year totally. before. Totally. Right? And then they'll talk about it for like a year. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, I just had my birthday party. And you're like, yeah, seven months ago, kiddo. Mm-hmm. So cute. So I'm, I'm really, I think part of it is that I, it's that just put your head down, work really hard and then someday you'll get there. And I'm here. Yeah. How yeah. I get here. How did you get here? Because from choosing every week to do this. Yeah. I never thought I would 10 years. Like when I signed up to do this, it wasn't, I don't know what I was thinking. What? So wait, <laughs> tell, walk me through the beginning of when you decided you wanted to do this. How did it unfold? My life was a hot mess. Yeah. My daughter. Well, and I would say you made some progress in ten years. <laughs> there we go. My daughter was in kindergarten, so I have four kids. I have a blended family. Um, my husband's kids were—I can't remember how they were at this point—but I've raised them since they're about like three and six, four and six. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they were in high school at this time, and my daughter was in kindergarten, and then my youngest was, um, so five and three. So I had a five, three, 15, and I think a 17-year-old, something like that. Yeah, and full house. It was a full house, working full-time in a job that I was really unhappy with. And I just recently did a show about sexism in the workplace, so that can go into that story. But I just felt like I was failing. And I'm like, I just need somebody to teach me how to do this. So that's how it all began. So I knew the executive director of the station, and we were at kindergarten pickup. And I just said, you know what? You guys need a show about this because I'm a hot mess and I need somebody to tell me what to do. <laughs> right? Even though I don't like anybody telling me what to do. And she Yeah, said, you were that desperate <laughs> that you were willing to let another human tell you what to do. Well, that's what I thought I wanted, right? It was like, can right. somebody just tell me what to do? But then of course I would rebel because like as I told my trainer this morning, I'm like, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> That's been my catchphrase for myself since I was six years old because I would I would sass my mom and say, you're not the boss of me, like for real. And I meant it. And then she made me write the whichever commandment it is that thou shalt honor thy mother and thy father. <laughs> she made me write it a hundred times. I was like, oh, determined, determined to break me of saying you're not the boss of me. And I said to my husband the other day, he said something about why don't you put your clothes because he had folded my clothes and set them on the dresser and they were there three, three days later. And he's like, why don't you put your clothes away? And I was like, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> So it lives strong. I need a t-shirt that says that because I say that to my husband all the time. I'm like, you're not the boss of me. And, you know, I tell this to my trainer who I've hired. Right. To tell me what to to be the boss of you. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So I wanted this radio show that would tell me what to do. And, um, and she said, well, you should pitch it. And I thought, I don't, I don't even listen to talk radio. So I don't even know what you're talking about. And I, I'm a hot mess. So why would I, but I, I kind of went in those polite. Oh yeah, sure. Of course. But I never, you know, there was no deadline. There was no like, and I was like, who, there's no way I could do that. I don't know anything about talk radio. And, um, but I kind of liked the idea. And, you know, it's like when somebody tells tells you something and it kind of, there is that hunger inside. Yeah. So we went on to first grade and I ran into her again and she goes, um, 
so what's happening with that pitch? And I said, oh, yeah. You know, and she goes, this is the perfect thing. Oh, well, you know, there's somebody else that has that same idea and they're going to pitch it. Oh, that'll do it right there. <laughs> now, was she was she BSing you or was she like was, like trying to light a fire under you or was it true? Was there I, somebody else? You know, that's a good question. I should ask her that. So I'll have to ask her. I don't know. So I pitched it and I got it. And nice. It's And I remember driving to the station in tears going, wow, this is something I'm doing for me. It makes no sense, but it feels so good. And my first criteria, like I had to have guests like, you know, within my pitch and stuff. And um, my first criteria was who could I talk to that could fill up 30 minutes? Because it was live radio. So it right. was 30 minutes. And it was, back then my show was 30 minutes. Well, it's 30 minutes, but then they have a break every like 12 minutes for commercials though, right? It, it, there wasn't too many breaks. It wasn't as bad back no. then. Now I feel like it's terrible. I'm like, come on, come on, radio. So then that was the start. And then it soon went to an hour and then here I am 10 years later. But, you know, I didn't think I would, you know, it was interesting because before we got on, I was looking at, you know, all of my guests, the different guests and my show notes that, um, you know, are the questions or even how I s set up an interview, like how I would structure it and what I would, you know, I originally I said, I write all these questions out. I remember when I got my, he was my first big get. It was this mm. Wall Street Journal columnist he wrote this column called love and money and i loved reading his sunday column it was like one of my favorite things to do and when he had said yes he'd be on my show i was so excited i think i sent him four pages of questions wow <laughs> he's like you tone it down lady slow your roll so we, we get on the phone and he goes well i don't think we're gonna be able to cover it i said i know i just want to be prepared just in case because i was so worried about dead <laughs> that's very air. sweet how we put it <laughs> You know, and now I, I, I mean, and then I eventually moved to an outline and then now we jump on and say, okay, what are we going to talk about? So, um, but it's, it was interesting just to look at the guests and, you know, I would never have thought like my vision for the show was never what it turned out to be. It's way greater than I ever expected, I guess. That's great. So, okay. So then how did it unfold and then how did you make the jump? from terrestrial radio. So, so my, so the radio that I was at was, uh, it's low power. So it was, you know, it's a community radio station. And then I went into the podcast. Um, I've always had the podcast aspect. So there was a, um, it's called mommy cast, I think. And you know, the mm. whole mompreneur thing that was going on back then. Oh so, yeah. I mean, I guess it's still going on, but I've kind of moved out of that area, but they had a podcast. So I think, Pretty early on, I was already podcasting. I was podcasting in the same within probably a month, if not at the same time. I can't remember. Were you doing different episodes, or no. were you taking your I episodes the, and then putting? Yeah, I took the live feed and then I put it up on the website, and then that somehow went to. Now, is that back when you had to like do a XML code to yeah. upload your episodes? Because I had to do that for a podcast back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand seven, two thousand nine. You know, I don't remember a whole lot, but I when my first website, I built it like on iWeb and I think Apple, nice. right, Apple had just, you just had to, I don't even remember. It wasn't that I liked iWeb. It, it was a nice feature. I was bummed when they shut it down. Oh, did they shut it down? I, I think realize. that, I think that the site, you can't like, cha everyone's on WordPress now. So mm -hmm. it's, WordPress is the, the mm -hmm. thing to use. But uh, yeah, I liked iWeb. We had our, uh, I did a podcast 
uh, called Yoda and Me, and it was uh, we had to upload to the FTP an updated XML file, and I had to understand how the code worked to make sure that I did it correctly, so that it would simultaneously appear on iTunes as well as the RSS feed of the podcast itself. And I was like, this is way too complicated <laughs> for me. For other people, easy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, so I think the iWeb just had this feed. Like, I don't remember. You just, you uploaded it and then there it went. And then I had the site that I currently have. I had that built the next year. And I'm in the process of the finest finishing touches. My listeners have heard this for a year now. But on my new site, that will be coming out shortly. So Yay. Yeah, I've always been on iTunes, I think from since the beginning, but I'm not quite sure. Like, don't fact check me on that because I can't quite remember, but um, but most of them, yeah. Well, okay, so what are you going to do to commemorate? I'm not even going to use the word celebrate. I'm just <laughs> going to say commemorate or acknowledge that you've hit a milestone with your show because this is a milestone. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many people come to me and say, I'm starting a podcast, can you help me? And I help them, I give them all the advice I can, which is generally sending them to other resources that are much better than my brain. Mm-hmm. And um, some people start their podcast, and I think maybe two or three people are still, out of the tens of people who've asked me, two or three people are still doing a podcast. Like, it just doesn't, it's it's not something that people stick with, because mm-hmm. it requires a lot of upkeep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You've done an amazing thing. It it's yeah I mean but like one of my values is perseverance mm. so for me right it was to do it and I was so hungry for knowledge in the beginning and I learned a lot like I learned a lot from my show you know I'm not I don't think I'm as big of a hot mess as I was ten years ago that's um, good so there was there was that feeding that went on and then as an audience built. And then the emails, like, as you know, right, that you would get and was like, wow, I mean, the podcast is amazing because like I have, I have people who listen like in Tasmania. So cool. (laughs) And they write me emails and how I, you know, or that I am like their friend, right? They've heard me and they know a lot of the stories or how they've listened. I mean, it's, it's fascinating how, I mean, some listeners come and go and then some have been listening for eight years. Right. Right. And, and so it's just amazing. And, um, and so here's a here's a funny story. So just the other day, a friend um, sent me a TED talk, and it was a TEDx talk, and it was a really cool sh- show. And then he goes, "Hey, if you'd ever like to meet her, I'd be happy to introduce her because they're friends." And I was like, "Oh my god!" All the social anxiety came up for me. I, like, <laughs> like, I go, I, "I I don't really understand why we we would meet." That was my response back in this email. And um, he's like, well, good people meeting each other. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of social anxiety. I said, well, if you happen to go down there, I'll go with you, you know, but otherwise I'm not dealing with my social anxiety. And I was talking to my girlfriend about that this morning. She's like, really? You? Like, think of, and I go, but this was about the work and serving people. That is about me just showing up as me. Does that make sense? Right, right. Yeah, totally. So I, I could do this here because it's not about me. It's about the serving of the people and it's about how the show can benefit so many other people and, you know, what are the different insights? So whether it was for years, for many years, it was, okay, what are the insights that the guests can give us, right? right. And now I think it's changed a bit to, hey, I have a body of knowledge, I have a body of work, and this is these are the things that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and And then having these deep conversations like you and I have where we get to jump on, where I'm not just like, okay, here's a brand new person. Let's create a relationship in this right. in these 50 minutes. 
Um, so now you have to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) I had a book contract once. So what am I supposed to write about? I don't know. What are you supposed to write about? I thought you were supposed to tell me. Just tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Why would I tell you what to do when you're just going to say you're not the boss of me? I know how this works. I know how this goes down. This ain't my first rodeo, honey. You're going to write about... I don't know. I was supposed to write a book about... uh, The title was, If I'm So Smart, Why Can't I Save Money? Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I stared at white pages. Because that can be a whole like thing. If I'm so smart, why can't I mm-hmm. get married? If I'm so smart, why can't I, mm-hmm. you know, blah, 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 blah. So all those things. <clears throat> what about your growth? Like, I think it would be interesting to hear your growth as a person from being a hot mess like the lessons that you've learned from doing this show and the people who've been on the show and how you've integrated stuff. Mm. And I see it like twisting up like a, like a, a spiral. You know what I mean? Like it all kind of grows together. You grow as a person. Mm-hmm. No, the show is definitely, like I used to say a long time ago, probably midway through, maybe around year five. Um, yeah. That I learned more from the show than I learned in college and grad school. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with college. My daughter's applying to colleges right now. <clears throat> but you just learn more when you get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have there been any points where you've wanted to stop? My quit show? The show? Oh, yes. 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 There are lots of times I wanted to quit. Um. And what do you think that, what are some different reasons why you wanted to quit? You know, I think the quit was now looking back, because I think it was around year seven and I was really struggling for about maybe a year to 18 months doing the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was the format, like I got into this format of interviewing a lot of authors and I love to read and learn. Well, I don't really love to read. I like the idea of reading. I'm a really <laughs> slow reader. I love the idea of new ideas and content. But I think what had happened, Anna, is... The, all those wells that I had that were dry and that I was wanting to learn and that hunger, it my love of learning, they got full. And so like I just needed to um, let it like really know it in my bones. You know, like I didn't want to know another way to do thought work or not. Like at first it was fascinating. It was like, oh my gosh, there's this whole other way to live, right? Without the drama right. with like you can manage your thoughts. Like who would have thought, you know, mindset, um, or compassion is a huge component of changing. So like there was, instead of, it was about how do I live it? And so at that point I was starting to get really frustrated because I was like, I don't want to read another book. I don't want to spend this much time reading a book for preparing. And I was kind of having a tantrum inside of my head mm, and I really mm. wanted to quit, but I also didn't want to quit. And I think that was my soul. That's not my typical word, but my soul saying, you need to make a change. And then that's when I switched the format to like what you and I do now of where I have guest co-hosts and we come on and we have conversations about right. topics, right? That That's something I, and I like a lot better um, than what I did. And it's not that what I did, like I appreciate what I did. And the other side is, you know, it's interesting because in some ways I was ahead of my time, right? Because 2006, who was podcasting. Right. 
And and I've had all these thought leaders and all these like quote and I'm I'm not a hierarchy person, but all these A listers, right? And then right. you have all these podcasts and everybody's trying to chase that. But I'm like I'm kind of done with that, right? You know? And I was thinking about that last night. I'm like, oh yeah, there could I could go try to get this person, but I'm like, but do I want to? Because at one point it was like, could I even get them? You know? And then for a long time, I mean, I had them, and then around year seven, I was like, I'm not sure if I want to do that anymore, right? So, well, something's got to give. Yeah. So I like this format. And then I was getting requests because then I, uh, so at some point, so let's see, in 2006, I started the show. 2007, um, I got to go to Harpo and um, one of their producers there was my mentor. And he would always, you know, try to get me to use my own voice on my show. Mm. And, um, and he was always on me like, you need to open the show. You need to close the show all by yourself. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why would anybody want to listen to me? Right? There was all this self-doubt. Mm, interesting. So that was 2006. And I think he said it through like 2008. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm really a slow learner. So I think, I don't know, at some point, maybe 2000, I don't know, nine. I can't, somewhere, at some point I started to open the show or close the show. So now I have like an eight minutes or four to six minutes wrap up at the end. Yeah. So that was like my first step. So it took me a long time to have that courage to do that. And then in the last year, I've been doing what I call mini So it's just me for like mm -hmm. 10 minutes. That's great. Yeah. So and listeners have seemed to like that. Um, so that's so for me, it's been a slow cultivation. So maybe I needed the 10 years to like get out of my own way. Maybe other people, they can get it done like in six months. <laughs> I I think that it's, I think people getting it done in six months or getting it done at age 27 is just over glamorized in our society. I think those people are outliers and that doesn't happen. I think it takes, sometimes it takes 10 years to, to find your groove. It obviously didn't take you 10 full years to find your groove. We're just acknowledging it at the 10 year mark, mm -hmm. you know, but I think that, um, you are a great you are great at the art of conversation. And that is something that you can celebrate because not everybody can talk to people every week sustained on a microphone. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a gift that you have and that should be acknowledged by yourself as well as all of us. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. Let's get drunk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's 9.52 a.m. We're not getting drunk. That would make a really interesting show. Yeah, right. <laughs> or we'd fall asleep. Yeah, probably. That would probably be what would happen. Yeah, it's, you know, I I I love it. It's been really interesting to think like this 10-year mark. I mean, I've been thinking about it. I think nine years went through. I think seven years I celebrated because I was like, oh, my God, seven years. And, and I think that also kind of kept me going, like, keep going, just get to 10. Cause that's such a, you know, it's, it's a big milestone. A yeah. Big milestone. But I've been really thinking and, and I had to rumble with some stuff just recently. And I think last night I was talking to my girlfriend and I just said, I, I, I like the direction that the show is moving, right? The conversations mm. that I have with my friends, my radio friends on the show, mm -hmm. when we talk about the topics where we're willing to be vulnerable. We're willing to share stuff because the thing that I get back from people over and over again is that how real it is and how authentic. And 
um, and authentic is probably not, but these real conversations about real people going through life instead of this glammed up version of what life's supposed to be or this theoretical thing. But I'll understand that's what you, you, that's what you do. I mean, like you and I Skype and within literally 30 seconds, we're having a deep conversation. (laughs) Like, and then you go, we should have turned the mic on. And I was like, I know, but that's what you, you're, you have a gift at that. You just get people to go there. Yes. I think that's why some people stay away from me. They're like, oh no, here comes Corinne. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's going to get some information out of me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know that's why I thought it was funny when last show we did, we were like, is it okay if I coach you? And I was like, yeah, I don't care. I mean, geez, I've been on the air showing warts and all for years now. It's fine. And I just know that if I'm feeling it, that other women are feeling it too. So that's why I just say it. You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways that I've had from the show is that we are not alone. All those you know, stories that we have in our head about not being enough, or these are awards, or here's what's wrong with me. We can all identify with that. And that's where I feel so grateful for my guest of being willing to show that side. I I had, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I had Simon Sinek on many years ago. And it turned into a rather uncomfortable interview because he decided to coach me on live radio, Mm. you know, in the middle. He's like, well, I'll just demonstrate how this is done. I'm like, oh, crap. Um, (laughs) and uh but it it was and it's still a very popular show that gets downloaded but it was a very popular show you know right initially and after that show i wound up redoing i used to have this really long intro to the show about you know because my why is about helping people overcome right and letting Mm -hmm. people be who they really are you know so that whole i'm the boss of me um but really, that's my big why. And so my intro was really about people falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up. And that's actually how you evolve to the success of your life, right? Success can be a trigger word for people. But and then and so like I used to think prior when before I did the show, there were just people they were like the chosen ones and then there weren't. And I just happened not to be the chosen one. You know, and I remember Martha Beck early on was like, oh, no, I've been to hell and back. You know, yeah. the, the reason that I'm this successful is I was willing to tap into all those pains and learn how to move through it. I mean, those weren't her words, but essentially that was the process. Well, yeah, no, I, I that's what you have to do. And I feel like that honesty, especially like because I'm, I'm in the health and fitness sector in, in my podcast and uh, when I'm doing everything right and not, you know, according to what I'm supposed to do and still not losing weight and still trying to find answers. I can't not tell the truth about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause then I'm being inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you probably resonate to people who are like, Oh, it's not just me. Here. Well, yeah, because I feel like there's so many people who won't, who won't speak up. They're not going to tweet me and they're not going to say anything. So I feel like I need to say something to be like, you know, when, you know, as a parent, you would have those conversations. You would just happen to run into other parents or, you, you know what I mean? You have that, that revelatory conversation that their kid was difficult as well, or they were having a difficult time or, and, and it's at any stage, it could be in third grade. Like when Lucy just would not, she had homework the, at third or fourth grade. They're trying to get them to be responsible for turning in their homework. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to not be doing everything for them. 
And so she had this one homework assignment that was in her backpack for like two months. <laughs> and every day I'd be like, you're going to turn in that assignment, right? And she'd be like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then every day she'd forget, right? And I was like, this is affecting your grade. Like you need to understand that if you just literally take the papers out of your backpack and hand them to your teacher, then you won't have a zero. And that would probably feel better. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, just thinking like, uh, is my kid just the most spacey, daft kid? And then you have that conversation with another parent. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't. I, it's like, I, I don't even know if my kid's going to grow up and know how to do anything because it feels like they're so spacey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you have that conversation. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh good, I'm not alone. <laughs> and it just helps you get through that. Mm-hmm. And then of course, we all learn that the kids all grow up and they figure out how to be responsible and everything's fine. But, um, but when you're in the middle of it, so that's why I feel like that authenticity helps because for everybody who will tweet me a question, there are 25 people who are like, it doesn't work for me. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. It seems to work for everybody else. And there must be me. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me or this isn't right for me mm-hmm. or screw it. I'm not going to even try anymore. And what I want to say is, no, keep trying. (laughs) Keep trying. Well, the keep trying thing is, I mean, I think that's the message of my show, right? Is that keep trying, keep going, because you don't want to give up on yourself. Right. You know, and it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's about figuring out and we are complicated beings, like thinking about our health. It's, you know, like the whole idea of calories in, calories out. Why would we think our bodies are that simple? Right. Right. I mean, it's right. we're just not like we can't say, oh, here's the cure for cancer. Like to think that calories and calories out and it's just that simple when it's not, as you and I both know. Right. There's so many other factors. Oh, so many other factors. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I, I just heard a, a listener sent me a, a, a thing and uh, what's it called? What are they? The Facebook message. She sent me a Facebook message. She said, you need to hear this podcast. And it's a functional medicine doctor talking about if you're taking your thyroid medicine with your coffee or close to your coffee, then, um, it could not be absorbing correctly. Oh. And, um, cause, and then he was basically saying, or she, I can't know who it was, but it was basically saying, do, um, your thyroid medicine, an hour before you have your coffee. An hour. Let me just t- let me just repeat that. <laughs> Take your thyroid medicine and then don't have coffee, even though you're awake, for an hour. <laughs> for me, it was difficult. So she sent me that, and then I was like, oh, maybe maybe that's why you know maybe it's not kicking in. So I'm gonna like I'm gonna do that this morning. And it was so funny because I woke up and at. 6.40. I set the alarm for 7.10, but I, I woke up at 6.40 going, let's make some coffee. And I was like, no, 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 you're going to do it. So I took my thyroid meds. And by 7.10, I wanted to go out of my mind because I just was like, oh my gosh. And I realized how addicted I am to coffee. A, <laughs> I have a problem, obviously. Mm-hmm. And B, it's like, but you know what? Sometimes things are uncomfortable. When you have to make some changes, you know what I mean? And I don't know if that's the right change. I'm going to try it for a little while. Maybe it'll help the thyroid meds kick in more. Maybe I was blocking the absorption. Who knows? But um, yeah. Well, and- Always try something. Always try something new. And the other side is that we can, do, we can be comfortable with the uncomfortable. We can do hard things. We may yeah. not want to, but we can. Yeah. 
So why not commit to it for a while and, and test it out? It's the N equal one experiment. How does it really work for you? Yeah, agreed. I mean, that that's a big thing in, in the work that I do is let me test it out for me. I can read all the stuff. I can talk to the experts, but how does it work for me? You know, in, in mm-hmm. doing it more than just the one time. Because if I only did the show one time, I mean, it felt pretty cool, but it was also scary. It took, you know, it took me, I don't know how long. It took me a while to get comfortable. And I mean, and even still, like, I remember, I think in January of 2015, I had a shit show because I had this guest coming on. And I was like, all of a sudden, I was freaking out again. I'm like, what is this all about? Right? Mm, really mm-hmm. and, and not that I don't get nervous now, but I also know I can do it, right? I've practiced it enough. But it's right. going back to the, like, committing to the things that are uncomfortable. Like, I think, don't you think we have this idea that, especially maybe once we hit around our age, that we shouldn't be uncomfortable anymore? We've already done the hard stuff, which should be easy straight. Yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. I thought I would feel more like a grown up than I do. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of feelings, you know? But what does that mean? Like, what does a grown up mean? Feel like a grown up. I don't know. I guess it's just something you assign in your childhood when you see all the grown ups doing all the grown up things and you just think, oh, well, they know, they told me they know better. So maybe <laughs> when I'm their age, I'll know better. I think they're lying to us. <laughs> I think they are. I think they're just like pulling the, pulling the wool over our eyes mm-hmm. so to, does, to, to get us to do their bidding. <laughs> does being a grown up, but mean- you're not the boss of me. <laughs> You need to call this episode, You're Not the Boss of Me. <laughs> Does being the grown-up mean that they have no doubt? I think that's probably what I thought it meant when I watched grown-ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought they kind of had it all figured out. And I don't have it all figured out. But I'm okay with that now. Are you? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's all a case by case basis. It's literally a moment to moment, uh-huh. <laughs> um, extravaganza of decision-making. Uh-huh. You know, if I could, well, one is the time factor and then the other is, I just don't know. Cause I'd probably cringe, but like if I could go back and listen to my old shows, just to see. Do you what- ever listen to your shows? I never listen to my shows. Like never. Um, occasionally I have, and it, it's hard. It's really hard, right? Because I'm like, oh my God, I could have done this better. Um, sometimes I listen. I haven't in a while, but there have been some shows I've gone back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've just learned so much. <laughs> right. It's like, well, where are you, where are you on the interview, Corinne? Um, I never listened to my, well, I, I might have when I first did the mini-sodes. I don't listen to them anymore. But if I were to go back to see where I was 10 years ago in my mind. Right. Holy moly. That would be interesting. I don't know if I could do it though. And I, I just won't carve out this. But I feel it. like it's moving backwards and you don't need to move Ooh, backwards. That's a good You point. know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't like, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, no, that's a very good, there you go. Permission. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just move forwards or forward. I never know. Is that, does that word have an S on it? Forward, forwards, move, move forward, 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 singular, yes. but moving towards something or moving towards something. I still like the D, not the S. I think so too. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, you write, I just talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, obviously I don't, listen, 
that was one of the biggest things that I got back when the editor went. Now it's a cookbook. I wrote a cookbook, so it's not like I'm not like writing I, I don't fantastic care. prose. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it comes back with like, like I literally couldn't even write like a three page. Here's what you buy at the grocery store thing without it being riddled with colloquialisms and idioms and terrible grammar and subject predicate disagreement. It was awful. (laughs) That's what happens when you write conversationally and you realize in conversation how terrible your grammar is. (laughs) But that's why you have a team and you have an editor and they can clean up that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's where Vinny's really lucky to have his uh, writing partner. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, and especially a writing partner who's such a good writer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and who can understand his uh, train of thought. And who we're talking about is uh, Anna Vocina's guest co- or co-host on the Angriest Trainer podcast. Is that what it's still called? It's now called the Fitness Confidential Podcast okay. to match the book. I don't know why we decided that four years later. And by the way, he didn't tell me that till like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, uh, I've been calling it the old name. He's like, no, it's been that for like months now. I was like, okay, well, you could tell me that. You could share that with me. <laughs> Especially because I wrote it on the back of my book cover. <laughs> so that's yeah. on you, buddy. So that's well. on you. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so are you going to go to dinner? Are you going to celebrate? Are you going to treat is, yourself? No. Are you going to go get a massage? What are you going to do? This is it. Oh, this is it. <laughs> this is it. Come on. At least go get yourself a massage or something. Well, I already did the massage this week, but it wasn't for celebration. And I floated last night. Oh, did you do the d- deprivation tank? No, no. It's um floating. You float in, a, in an Epsom salt tank. What? Yeah. I want to do that. Where, what is it called? It's called float. <laughs> it's called float in an Epsom salt tank. It's just called float. Yeah. All right. Google float. And in, okay. this, in my tank, there was 1,100 pounds of Epsom salt. Wow. Yeah. And it was – so here's the funny story. 1,100 pounds? Yes. You float. So I, I'm a swimmer or, you know, I used to swim. Yeah. I coach swimming. So water's not an issue. It's like it's calming for me. It's not anxiety-provoking. And so my girlfriend and I, we, I just heard about, well, yeah, I kind of saw it on Facebook because her daughter had done it, but I didn't know what it was. And so Sunday we were talking about it. And the next day I know my girlfriend's booking it. We go last night and, um, I had, I had anxiety and there was two things. One, I was like, how am I going to stay above water for an hour? (laughs) Right. I know know how to float, but it does take, like in a pool, it does take energy. And what happens is that you sink over time. So then if you kind of, it's not a whole lot of work. But you have to kind of bring your legs back up and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is – and how does my face not go under? You know, and, I, and I'm and i not at all anxious around water until this situation. And then my other was is that you have your own room. You have your own space. And and you go in, you're naked and whatever, but it's in your own space. But I was like, oh, my gosh. What am I going to do for an hour? There's like – be one thing if my girlfriend and I can sit there and talk, but I thought, right. what am what I going to do? do? <laughs> you just lay in water for an hour. <laughs> and so I had – And did you meditate? Did you like – not a good meditator. Commune uh, with the angels? Like, what did you do? So, no. So, I went in and I just noticed that my head had my anxiety. And then I was fascinated because I totally floated. Like, I was above the water. Like, I couldn't get my feet down because there's so much salt. And my girlfriend had been like in That's the Black awesome. Sea or the Red Sea or whatever. Um, so, it was just, it was fascinating to like just be in this space. And it wasn't very deep. I mean, it's kind of like a bathtub, but you float on the surface. And I just laid there and had to figure out like, you know, my, how to keep my body. Cause I wanted to, my, I've had some neck issues. So supporting that. 
And um, and then I, I remember looking at the watch going, okay, it's been 18 minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I was like, huh, what else am I going to do? And then at 30 minutes I looked. And then I think at some point I fell asleep. But I had these different things of like, okay. So I kind of noticed my mind. And then I'm like, oh, gosh. You know, I need to get ready for my show with Anna tomorrow. What are we going to talk about? And and I was like, when am I going to have time to like figure that out? Because I knew right. how packed my day was today. And I was like, well, I am here in this space. I have an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing I came up with was the whole Martha Beck thing. And then I think I fell asleep. I don't know. Like I was just kind of in and out. It was awesome though. Like I actually really okay. like it. So are you wearing a swimsuit? No, you're naked. What? But you're all by yourself. Like you go into a room, or at least where I was at, you have your own shower. It's your own room. And then it's like, think of the float as the closet. Some have like where my girlfriend's daughter had went. It was more like um, kind of like a tanning booth where there was like this cover that went over. That would seem more claustrophobic. This was think of like a bathtub inside a closet. And on if you go on my Facebook page, you'll see the door okay. in the shower. And that goes into the tub. And then it closes okay. off. And it was really weird because... You know, I am an outdoor swimming pool person. Um, actually, when I was at the college, my pool was indoors, but I don't like indoor pools. And at first it felt a little, I thought, do I want to open my door? But I was also kind of cold. So I kept my door shut. But then I was fine. But I'm going to do it some more. And my, wow. skin, my skin is soft. Ooh. Yeah. Epsom salt supposed to like draw out toxins and stuff too, right? Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be good for you. Yeah. I think it's a really good colon cleanse and- too. Oh, yeah, if you drink it. <laughs> no. Yeah, I didn't even need to drink it. Actually, my... Oh, really? No. Oh, yeah. And I know because, yeah, we don't need it. That's a little TMI. But, yeah, it's a very good colon cleanse. Um, My my rolfer, and I don't know if she floats. I'm going to have to ask her. But she had told me this summer that we actually absorb magnesium better through our skin than by taking a supplement, which I thought was Really? And I had a little proof this morning because it was a colon cleanse. I was like, holy moly. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. So it was, and you're supposed to be able to remove toxins. And for me, maybe it came out the colon. I have no idea, but. Um, That's great. Yeah. I, so I, I mean, I'm willing to go back and try it a few more times and see, you know, and my girlfriend was trying to decide, does she like this better or being, you know, getting a massage and just since I, and I love my massages that I get and they're very therapeutic for me. Um, but it was really nice even though I was anxious at first to be by myself for an hour and I'm independent, I can be that way. But, you know, I was like, what am I going to do? Cause I'm kind of a productive person. It was so nice to be with Ooh. myself, especially after this week. So. Okay. So then maybe you celebrated that way. Yeah. But it was, but again, going back to like celebrating and stuff, that's, it's scary for me. Right. So this for me is, this is my celebration is to honor it with you. And thank you so much because that was a, for me to ask you, that was hard because at first I was like, well, I'll just do it myself and I'll kind of go through like, what are the 10 things that I've learned? Right. Don't don't bother anybody. That was my original thing that I was going to do. And then when I got your email back, I was so excited. You know? Yay. So. But yeah, so this is my celebration. This is as big as I go. <laughs> now that we talked about off the air, that to me was interesting about it being as big as you go. But you would go, you would go big for your kids. Would I go big for my kids? Um, like, I, you know, yeah, they, we've had parties for them and stuff. I mean, we, I just, so back in 2000, it must have been 2012. I'll go big for other people. 
in a way, mm. but I'm still not a, like a big party. But in 2012, it was my 40th birthday. And then I was also getting inducted in the hall of fame at my university for swimming. And, um, and it was something that I wanted and I, I, I did have a plan. I wanted it to be well after at like when, cause I wanted my kids to attend and be there. And so I wouldn't even let anyone submit anything of me until my kids got to like 10 years old. Right. So, so when I got and part of me wanted, like, I did really want to have like a party. It was like, Hey, let's do my 40th birthday and that and celebrate that. But again, mm-hmm. it goes back to like, Oh, well, I don't want to impose on anybody. Like, and I make myself small, which is so fascinating. So, and we, we, so we went and I only invited a couple of friends to go. Um, and then, uh, we went to that and, you know, some people, it was, we went pretty late cause it was in the evening. And so a few people came over afterwards, but it was pretty quiet. So that this is, this, that's from, nice. But this for me, like to do this publicly like this with the show, I mean, I have to say that this is a big deal because this is really, and then you're kind of getting me to open up about all my own vulnerabilities and stuff. <laughs> Just as I planned. <laughs> and it's like, thank goodness. It's finally not me. Well, that's true. Usually it's me. <laughs> So I think for me, this, it may not look like a big deal, but this for me is a big deal because I'm owning it on the show and um, talking about it. But, and that's, I think that's kind of it. There's, because it's not about, like, for me, the show wasn't about me. I mean, maybe at first it was information I was looking for. Like, I just wanted somebody to get this content. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll be responsible. I'll get the content. I'll go ask the people. But then the show has really become about for the people. Well, yeah, but I think too, I just want to acknowledge that you wanted to get content out to people and you've done it for 10 years. And that is a really cool thing that you've done. And everyone should think, especially your regular listeners, happy anniversary to you for doing that, because now we have something to listen to that's going to help and uplift people. So thank you and happy anniversary. Thank you. And then after you receive that, you nev- you don't have to, we don't have to even talk about it again <laughs> for another 10 years. <laughs> we don't just go straight to 25. <laughs> no, I think 20 is all right. It's, right? It's crazy though. That's a lot of talking that I've done. That is mm-hmm. a lot of talking that I've done. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's an accomplishment. But isn't it crazy, like, just to think that, like, with your show or with my show and that all of these listeners from around the world that can listen to the show, that can tap into it. I mean, the thing I love about podcasting is that it's on their phone. I mean, typically, right, it's on their phones or it's on our websites Mm -hmm. and they can listen. You know, some of my listeners like to listen on their commutes. Some of Mm -hmm. them like to listen while they're cleaning or going for walks or, you know, um, and it, they can incorporate it into their life. So it goes back to like the whole, you're not the boss of me. Like, you're not going to tell me like t- television back in the day when we were kids, this is the only time that you could watch, right? Right, right. It's, we are now the boss of our lives and saying, okay, how does this fit into my life? What do I want to listen to? And then how does it fit into my life? Yeah. It's amazing. I remember being so thrilled for rerun season because then you could see those episodes that you didn't get to see during the school year, you know? Yes. And I remember when I, I didn't have a VCR until I got out of college and my roommate had one and we could finally tape friends. <laughs> That's all I cared about 
because I always did improv shows on Thursday nights, so I never got to see Friends, and I loved that show. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sure somewhere we still have VHS tapes with Friends, mm-hmm. okay. airings of Friends, which is just so it's so it's so funny now because my daughter has now watched Friends on Netflix, like the entire <laughs> so catalog funny. of Friends, like three times. I'm uh-huh. not joking. Like she's obsessed with that show, and I think that's so funny to me. <laughs> That I was like, yeah, we we had to like make sure we were home by eight p.m. Mm-hmm. on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. No, I remember that. It I didn't watch it for years because I wasn't home, and if you weren't home, you just didn't do it. I we, I think we got a TiVo in two thousand. Yeah. So here can I don't know if I can even ask this question, but I'm going to. Okay. So when you were you know VCRing it, I guess taping it, did you ever think you would be friends with one of the friends? Oh, <laughs> no, of course not. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. That's awesome. That is very awesome. So my friend, speaking of friends, I guess our time is up. It was a lovely time. <laughs> As I've been down here really low. Thank goodness we have your Anniversarying with you. I'm turning that into a verb. My editor would say, please don't do that. Oh, but why not? It's better than saying Facebooking. Yeah. I, why not? Like, I think we should just make up our own language. Don't okay. You? Yeah. I think I'm if down. Any, if anything I've learned over the 10 years, why not? I think we have. Mm-hmm. I think we have made up our own language. I mean, just in general, language is made up, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know why the grammar police gets to win. <laughs> they're not the boss of you. No, they're not the <laughs> boss of me. Absolutely not the boss of me. All right, my dear. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And Well, job well done. And on behalf of all of your listeners, we thank you for all of your efforts and your perseverance and all of the things that make you do this show again and again and again for 10 years. Well, thank you. My pleasure. I, I, Thanks for having me. No, I really, really mean it. It was, it was really nice to get your email. I had a bit of tears. So, Well, thank you for asking me. I was glad to do it. Totally my pleasure. So good job. 10 years is fucking no joke, man. It's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So the lessons that I've learned over the 10 years of how she really does it. And I guess one is put yourself out there. If there's something you're desiring, even if you think you're hot mess, take the courage and put yourself out there. And that's something more that I'm reflecting back on now when I think about how it even started and with that ask and with that rumbling. So often we think those bad things that are happening are happening to us instead of looking at what is the message. You know, Todd Kasten, a previous guest, had talked about that. What is the message that these negative feelings are giving you? So for me, when I was really feeling like a hot mess and not understanding my life and, you know, feeling I was failing and crying, had so many crying and falling down moments the show was a tremendous gift in my life and a lot of hard work and yes, sacrifice or discipline, but it was so worth it. Like I would never have not done this. And a lot of courageous asks through the years of people coming on to my show. And again, like I talked about with the different guests that I've had on, I mean, there was a period of time that I had a lot of different people on and I have also had, you know, not that I say there's like the A-listers, and then there's the rest of us ordinary people because I don't like hierarchies, but they're people with their stories. 
and and also people that could give us their insight or their research. And I think it's great to do that. And then how do we implement it? What nuggets can we take? And that introduction that I did used to do on my show is so important because it's like, if that is possible with them, what is possible for me? And sometimes it's not even the famous people. It can be, you know, uh, for me, there's, I'm not going to go into too much detail in this show, but there was a book I read and there's two bus drivers created this extraordinary life. And I was like, well, if they could do it, then why can't I do it? And so looking for things that give you the windows of possibility into your own lives. One of the examples is in Title IX, which is about equal opportunities for men and women in sports, that when women were able to become basketball players or athletes, little girls grew up going, well, of course that would be something I could do. The path was, the road was paved. That's what this show has been all about. It's been about what is possible for you. You know, and and Anna and I talked about being the boss of your life. I mean, that is a really internal message of mine of you get to decide. We are adults. What are the rules that you want to live by? And sometimes when I say that to my clients, they get a little hesitant. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be a taker of society or you're going to, you know, do things that are not kind because for the most part we are, I don't call myself a kind person, but we're going to be responsible in our lives. We're not going to do something out of viciousness, especially when we really want to be who we are. It's not going to be as vicious. Maybe we're not going to be overly friendly and have lunch with everybody, but we'll have lunch with the people that matter for us. So as I go through the different lessons that in the themes, I guess that came up in the show was, you know, was my first one was with Martha Beck back in 2007 when I was, she was her book, Finding Your Own North Star. I read in the early 2000s and, you know, I was really in a lot of despair and I had kind of this job that everybody wanted except for me. And I thought, gosh, there's something wrong with me. And that book was so transformational for me in the sense that you mean, and I didn't really believe that it could still, anything could change. And so as maybe you can tell from this show that I've done with Anna, I have, I suffer from tremendous self-doubt and I get in my own way quite a bit. And I didn't understand that or see that, especially back in the early 2000s. It's like, well, this is a great job. And you know, why would I ask for more? And Martha started me opening up to that. And so when she said she would be a guest, that was such a huge deal. And I remember just talking to her and going, well, your life must have been just so perfect or something like this. I didn't even remember the conversation. She's like, no, I've been to hell and back. And that's why I've been able to cultivate this life. And I think that's really important is that, you know, we, there, I think the idea of letting go of perfection is really done away with, I mean, is out there, right? We don't need to be perfect. People, especially if you're a listener to this show, you know that message quite a bit because Brene has been on so much, but the, there was this quest for perfection. Like if I just did do it perfectly, if I just live perfectly, if I wasn't messed up, then I can have this great life. But really when we can take those falling down moments and see what we can cultivate and learn about ourselves and those heartaches. So that was my, one of my big messages from Martha back. And, and also that, um, evolving into your essential self. I talk about it being the best version of you or being the best of you and going back to who you are instead of all the rules that we live by. But she talks about essential self and the social self. The essential self is who you were the day you were born, basically your soul. And the social self is who we've been programmed to be, who were we told that would be acceptable. And my words for it is, you know, being the best of you, evolving back to yourself or, you know, your best self showing up. Not that you have to be perfect, but who you are underneath all those rules and all that armor. Another one was from Carol Dweck, mindset, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. 
And from her, that was so transformational. I remember reading the book going, oh my gosh, I'm fixed, I'm fixed, I'm the wrong one. And learning how to become much more growth mindset. Like I just get fascinated so much in my day-to-day life when um, people get stuck in the th- in the fixed. I was there and there are areas in my life I definitely can be there. But the growth mindset has served me so well. And then the idea that she had is that the, the thoughts that you think can create the results in your life. And I've had a variety of guests, whether it's been Pam Grout, my friend Jeanette Ma. Um, I've had a whole bunch of Byron Katie. You know, our thoughts are prison walls. Um, I've had so many people come on and talk about thoughts. And that is such a foundational level of the work that I do with my clients and really understanding the stories that we tell ourselves and why do we choose to believe them and what are our beliefs. So our belief systems, and it makes so much sense. Like a lot of this stuff I had to test out in my swimming world because that is an arena that I'm really comfortable with. That is, and it started to make sense. Well, you don't say, oh, I'm a loser and then get up on the blocks and race. It may ignite you, but it's not sustainable. So you focus on what is it that you can do. And okay, this is going to be painful. This is going to be uncomfortable. Like nobody goes, oh, woohoo, I get this on the tuna fly. That's going to be so much fun. It's going to be painful, but we can do it. We prepare for it. We practice. And so I've incorporated a lot of my swimming into my life. I mean, there were so many lessons and that's why I coach swimming first as long as I have. Jill Bolte-Taylor was another person where we just had this beautiful interview and she loved it so much because it wasn't just about the book, but we talked about connection and how we are all connected and being responsible for the energy you bring into the space. I can't tell you how many times every week I talk about that, being responsible for the energy, for the emotions that you bring into the space and knowing that our emotions come from our thoughts. And I've done a mini about that. Dan Coyle is a person that, gosh, I love his book, The Talent Code. Um, what a great book. And the, and I just believe it. Talent is created. It's not born. It comes from practice. And he has a different couple different components. But I really, really believe that. And so if there's something you want to cultivate in your life, it's about practicing and practicing and having deliberate practice. And, and he talks about that. Um, Peter Walsh has been a great one. He was a listener favorite. He's been on, I think the show more than anybody else and just fun. And I think about with a question that he asked of what is the vision you have for this space or what is the vision you have for this life? And really thinking about that and, you know, looking at that vision and, you know, my vision for the show turned out way greater. And had I not done it, had I quit on myself, even in, in year seven, I wouldn't have had this growth opportunity that I had these last few years of doing these really more in-depth guest co-hosting topics with people that I know or doing or being brave and doing my own mini-sodes and talking about stuff. So I thank you guys for encouraging me and listening to the shows as the show has transformed. Um, And there are so many people, you know, when you've done over 500 shows, there's been so many people that I'm so thankful for who either encouraged me on, helped me find guests early on, uh, were willing to come back over and over and give me their time, give us their time, right? Because it was for you guys. And I've just learned so much through the show and it has been a really, really pivotal thing. And so here, here's my message for you is that, yes, you can cultivate what it is that you want. You have to believe in yourself, be willing to do the work, be uncomfortable, find people who are willing to be in your support section. When I started this show, it was really scary to put myself out there, especially on live radio. And and I had friends who were really excited for me. And then they found me guests 
or they were willing to be guests. And that was so, you know, that was so nice. Here's the thing is that when you go on your personal development, your transformation, at times it's going to be lonely. And at times the show has been lonely and know that that's okay. That's part of it. There are the ups and the downs. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. You may need to listen to the message. Like for me, what I listened to seven years, now seven years ago at year seven was I didn't want to do any more books. It, it, something I fell into and, and it was great and I liked it, but I wanted to do something else. And so I tested it out. I said, well, I'll just try this, you know, and I tested it out. I think Michelle Woodward was my first guest co-host and it worked out and I really liked it. And now she's a regular once a month guest. We had these great conversations and insights and, and so I give you that in that it's going to be hard, but we can do hard things. We all fall down, but we have the ability to get back up. And it comes from deliberate practice, having connection. The next segment of the show that's evolving to is about love and how powerful that can be. And that's something that it's taken me 10 years to really broach that. How important compassion is. I mean, you've heard me talk about that a lot, especially since I've had Kristen Neff on the show and compassion being the biggest motivator for change. So those are the things that I've learned over the 10 years. I would love it to get your emails or if you want to write it on iTunes review about, you know, what are the tidbits? Recently I had a guest who sent me an email. She's actually from the Bay Area in California and about, and she wrote like, she had like five or six different guests and her takeaways from the shows. Just, it's just great feedback to give me some insight of what's affected you and can maybe help shape the direction of the show. And then just to hear your stories. So I thank you so much for being here with me. And some of you guys have just gotten started on this journey. There's a lot of content for you to go and dive into, see what lights you up. A lot of it's evergreen. And for those of you that have been with me for a long time, I thank you because it is a commitment to be here. And it's been an honor and a privilege to serve you. So thank you so much. I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so. Sold-